Alright everyone, I'm glad you could join me today uh, in this uh, another podcast here, uh, Joshua Ministries, uh, Preacher Josh Rants. Uh, this podcast is the part two of uh, Hebrews chapter 9, looking at the new covenant. And we're going to get started here in a minute, but first all, uh, I want to encourage you to uh, please share and share this podcast and comment on it, uh, interact here on the, the live chats and the uh, with me at uh, Joshua Ministries 741 at gmail.com or follow Joshua Miller on Facebook and we need to uh, get the word of God out and share the gospel with everyone that we can. And we need to be able to decipher current events. And the only way to do that is to know the word of God and be able to use his word and to be able to relate with what's going on compared to what God has told us through his word. He's given us a instruction, the Bible. You know, a lot of times we say Bible, we just say, here's the Bible. I read the Bible. The Bible here is what I have as I follow the Bible. But we got to remember it's a uh, 62 or 66 different books uh, split in half between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is basic instructions before leaving earth. We see from the very first book in uh, Genesis to the very last to Revelation, uh, we see as 2 Timothy 3.16 says it's all scripture is inspired by God. So that's what we have to understand, that this word is from God, the God, the living God, to us. He communicated to us through his word, and that's how we understand how he loves us. We understand who God is. We understand his plan for us. And without the word of God, this earth, our lives, are hard to understand and more difficult without the instruction manual. So we're going to get into it here uh, after we uh, open up with prayer. We thank you for today. We thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for what you've done for us, what you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, take your word and to study your word. I'm just uh, a steward of what you've given us what you've given me. I pray that I'll be faithful in, in, the, in what you've given me. Help me to uh, convey your word and your truth. Uh, give me the clear thoughts and clear speech to present your word according to your will. Help us to put bias out of the way. Help us to put our own selfish agendas out of the way, but help us to come to you boldly before the throne of grace and be able to receive, lay down all of our burdens, our guilt, our shame at your feet rewards the offerings and the, the boldness and the, the guidance that we need from you. We thank you for what you've done, what you've given us, and we give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get into uh, Hebrews chapter 9. A little recap as uh, we start in, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1, and we look through verse 1 through verse 10. And... In verses 1 through verse 10, uh, the writer shows the old covenant with Abraham. 
and what the Israelites had to do with the covenant and how they had to carry it out through the tabernacle and how they had to carry out the sacrifices, the shedding of blood. And they had to physically do this and over a period of time, specific times of the year. Uh, the high priest could go in one time of year to uh, redeem the sins of those uh, sacrifices that he was presenting to God through the Holy of Holies. But he himself had to first repent of his sins and he had to be cleansed. And he had to offer a sacrifice. And just in case he didn't get all of his sins squared away, there was a rope tied to his ankle, and uh, in case God struck him down and he died, he had gourds uh, around the, the hem of his robe so that you could hear him moving around, and you would know once you didn't hear any more rattling around in there that God must have taken him out because of his sins, and then you drug him out with the rope. Uh, very intense time i would imagine as we pick up with verse 11 we will see how he describes the blood of christ and how the blood of christ as as, as we'll remember back in genesis when jesus or the lord had to come back to adam and eve and he said i'll have to prepare a way for you he shed an innocent lamb a spotless lamb shed the blood and he covered them with the coat of the lamb. Uh, but he told them that they, there would be one that would, would finish this, would be the completion of this. And so he described here, in verses 11 through 22, he says, But Christ being come, a high priest, of good things come to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with us to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. That is very important there in verse 12 to understand that he went in once. This means the lies that you hear a lot in the, in the Christian realm is that we're sinners um, sinner saved by grace, and I've, uh, I'm just a poor old sinner. That's a lie to keep you down and keep you um, useless for the Lord and His work. Because by, just by this, how He describes Christ here being sacrificed once in the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us, we have to understand that when Jesus went to the cross, for Adam, he went to the cross for you, and he went to the cross for whomever shall be the last person born on this world. He went to the cross and died for all of us at the same time. He redeemed the sins of all of us from the first human to the last human, all at the same time. He redeemed us of our sins and paid the price for our sins at one time. So what does that mean? That means that if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, that he is the Son of God, you confess that 
you are a sinner presently, and you've asked repentance, you've declared that Jesus is the Son of God, he was born of a he was crucified, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. You trust Christ as Lord and Savior, that means the redemption that he's already provided is attributed to your account. That means that the sins that are washed away that he redeemed you from are blotted out. Your name is then written into the Lamb's book of life. The Your sins are cast out and thrown away. They're not accounted for. You've been justified. You're in good standing with God, the Father. And now when he looks at the record, it's just as if you've never sinned. You've been redeemed. And that is because of Jesus taking the form and fashion of a humble man and going to the cross. He paid for that price already over 2,000 years ago. So once you have professed and proclaimed Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've repented of your sins because he's already redeemed you. You're no longer a sinner. You've been cleansed. You've been redeemed. We're now, we're not sinners bound for hell, condemned by sin, chained, chained, chained to our transgressions, and drugged by the devil to the lake of fire. We've been set free. So the opposite of that is true. We have life, and we have liberty, we have peace, we have joy, and we have the freedom in Christ that could only come through his redemption. So we're no longer sinners, but we're redeemed. We are the child, children of God. We've been adopted into his family, and we can cry, Abba, Father. So this position, our position is no longer the same as a sinner lost and headed to hell. Sinners are lost and headed to hell. Saved ones, saints, are those that have been redeemed. They put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They proclaimed it with their mouth. They've repented. It's a different standing. It's two different positions. It's not the same position, so quit living like you're still in the same the position of a sinner. Quit saying you're in the position of a sinner if you've been saved and you're a child of God through redemption. Yes, we're all his creatures, but only some are his children if we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior and proclaimed him as such. Verse 13. He says, For the blood of bulls and of goats and of the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies and purifies of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from the dead works? To serve the living God. That is something so many people don't grasp. When Christ did it and he redeemed us and he sanctified us. He did it one time and the power of that action 
completely kicked out and threw out those sins and that bondage and the chains to those transgressions. And we have to, we all we have to do is accept it and receive what he did and live like it. And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator lives. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and of hyssop, and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by law, by the law, purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Because Christ died on the cross and shed innocent blood, we have remissions of sins. We change positions and states in relation to God. First off, being sinners headed to hell. His redemption provided us a way out to be instead saints, children of God, adopted into the, his family and able to sit at the right hand of God at the throne joint heirs with Jesus. Here he gives an example of, being, of a will, a, a living will, um, uh, written out as living. The Testament here, it, it, we have an inheritance from the Father, from Jesus, and that is the redemptions of sin. And he promised that to Adam. But he said it could only be uh, fulfilled when the testator gives his life. So we can only have the remissions of sins, that redemption through Jesus, only by his shed blood. So Jesus came as that testator, or that testament. He gave us a covenant. He gave the covenant to Adam, and he gave the covenant to Abraham, and he said, I'm going to fulfill my end of this by going to the cross. And that's exactly what Jesus did. We look back at verse 17, he says, For a testament is of force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no power at all, as long as the testator lives. That's why before Christ's ultimate sacrifice on the cross beforehand, the tabernacle, the sacrificing of lambs, of doves, turtle doves, of calves, um, it was always a forward look. A reflection of what the true redemption was. It never lasted. It was only temporary because that wasn't it. That wasn't the real deal. But Jesus, being the real deal, came and he fulfilled the testament that he gave us. Testament means covenant. And the covenant that he gave, he fulfilled. And we go back down to verse 22, you know, it says, Almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. Cannot retract it or be justified. No repentance without the shedding of blood. And Christ 
fulfilled that in his death on the cross. So let's continue. We'll finish up verses 23 through 28. So which do you think, which covenant would you prefer? The old covenant, which was temporary and had to be renewed every year, every month. Some things was every month. Some things was once a year. The high priest could only go and have remission once a year. Would you rather have that or would you have it rather have the redemption that Christ provided through his shed blood, which was only one time ever for all of mankind from the first Adam to the last Adam for eternity. The redemption was provided through the free gift and all we have to do is accept it. Which would you prefer? Verse 23, it was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are figures of the true, but in heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he have often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He had to do it and he only had to do it once. He covered your sins and he covered my sins. And understand that sins is disobedience to God. Anything that he has given us, commands, instructions that he's told us to do, we disobey, that is a sin. It's that simple. Anything God has given us to do and we disobey it, we don't do it, that's a sin. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And I thank the Lord for that promise that he's given us. And we look in John 14. And we see that he's, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus provided redemption for us on the cross. One time. One time for Adam. One time for Eve. One time for me. One time for you. And it's all, that's how powerful the redemption is through the shedding of innocent blood. Christ we may not understand everything, but he's given us enough to know. We believe. We have faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There's evidence that Christ is alive and well. There's evidence that he is the Son of God. There's evidence of his grand design all around us. No matter what the, scien the Scientology says, Uh, the more that we explore, the more we see the evidence of God. And here we're exploring the, the, the old covenant versus the new covenant, the blood of Christ. We see the ultimate sacrifice, the best sacrifice was that, the shedding of blood of Jesus. And through that, we have the remissions of sin. And we thank God for that. And... His redemption for us provides us eternal life. And without it is no eternal life. And I praise God that he's offered it to me. 
And I'm going to let you know that he's offered it to you. Let people know. Share this podcast with others that may not know this, the new covenant that he provided to them. It's offered to them. Offered to you, offered to me. Romans 10, 9 uh, says that if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that's for you, providing salvation to you, to every person. Now understanding that believing is not enough, because the devil and his demons believe in God. They know God. They were with him in heaven. But they were cast out. They don't have salvation because they believe. We have salvation because we confess with our mouth that he is Jesus, who is the Son of God. That he provided redemption through his innocent blood, his shed blood on the cross. We accept that and we receive the free gift. So I hope this has helped you to to understand the two covenants. I know I could there's could have been a lot more said, but this is time is short and we looked at Hebrews chapter 9. We finished it up to part number 2. If you would share it with others, um, those that uh, need to hear it, share the gospel and spread it around. Again, contact me through Joshua Ministries 741 at gmail.com and Listen to me on Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Samsung, Podchaser, pretty much anywhere, uh, Anchor.fm, anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find me. I appreciate you listening, and I'll see you on the next one.